Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.
What is up, Belly Up Fantasy fans? This is, of course, Belly Up Fantasy Live. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I am joined by Chris Dauhauer, of course. Um, I am Adam LaRue, your host. We are missing Justin Herrera. Uh, he had something come up last minute um, and won't be able to make it today. Uh, we miss him, of course. Um, it looks like my good friend Chris is having some technical issues. Um, we're we're going to get into a lot today. Uh, we have, um, you know, of course, our belly ups, our belly flops, and what have you. Can you hear me now, Chris? Oh, not quite yet. Uh, but of course, we have our belly ups or belly flops. Um, we're going to do a little bit of waiver wire. Uh, we're going to do, um, you know, some trade ideas, some buy sells, a little bit of everything. So uh, definitely... Uh, stay tuned. Um, but while uh, while Chris is having his issues, I am going to go ahead and get our Manscaped ad read in. Um, just a moment. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code BellyUpFantasy at Manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all of the trimmers. Now go trim, go tame that Wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open up, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Troner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a, gr- a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BELLYUPFANTASY. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. All right. Um so we are still waiting for uh, Chris to go ahead and make it back in here. Um, but while he's getting back in, dealing with his technical difficulties, um, I'll go ahead and mention our Belly Up Fantasy Player of the Week this week is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, of course, you know, he had a great resurgent game after, uh, you know, struggling for a while now, um, had had quite a few down weeks. Um, and, and now he seems to be back. Uh, so shout out to Patrick Mahomes for being voted the belly up fantasy player of the week. Um, after, you know, a couple weeks of of struggles, um, from him, um, just (laughs) for evidence of this. I mean, he scored 40 plus, um, you know, after weeks of, and I'm pulling up the exact numbers here. Um, he scored 46 points after 12, 16, and 6.74, um, which is just insane. Um, it does, does look like our guy is back. Chris, can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry about that. I was having some audio issues over here. Uh, I just wanted to see how long you could do this by yourself. (laughs) Uh, not much longer. I'll be honest. (laughs) Um, but. Uh, I just mentioned our Belly Up Fantasy Player of the Week is, of course, Patrick Mahomes for his resurgent game. Yay, um, welcome back. 
Yeah, welcome back. So, did you uh, how how'd your team with uh, with him do this week? Or, or were you able yeah, to rebound it's, it's finally? A, it's the tale of two different uh, halves. Last week, I barely scored 50. This week, I'm dropping like almost 150. Uh, <laughs> a big part of that reason would be those Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes um, getting back on track. And then I had Darrell Williams, who locked into a bunch of, you know, basically touchdowns and yardage in re- in through the air. So combination yeah. definitely was nice for me, um, <laughs> especially after the last three, four, five weeks of, ugh, yeah. that we yeah. talked about. No, I had I had been on a losing streak uh, pretty much the entirety of his slump uh, because I have I have the stack between uh, Tyreek and him. So it uh, if the Chiefs' offense falters, my team's kind of effed. Um, but uh, yeah, it went from that losing streak into leading the league in scoring this week on my team where I roster Mahomes. So kind of crazy how that one works out. But so hopefully, fingers crossed, he can uh, continue to play at a semi-startable level in uh, fantasy um, for both of our sake. Yeah, stink, two stinkers in a row for uh, Daniel watching in from, from Facebook. Um, so, yeah, we, we can go ahead and hit on our first belly ups, um, again, excluding Patrick Mahomes we just hit on. Uh, Chris, so who's, who's your first guy? So I was thinking long and hard about some of the guys who kind of impressed me for my belly ups. And I think one of the players that jumped out to mind <clears throat> for myself was um, seeing uh, Dur- Darius Johnson wasn't like a spectacular star, but he basically was everything you kind of hoped to get him the mm-hmm. best out of that blowout uh, that occurred in New England. Um, I think Darius Johnson you know, was a guy that saved a lot of people this week, especially lost Nick Chubb and you, you know had him. Um, he didn't, like I said, he didn't go crazy, but he gave you that, Nice floor, and I know for DFS purposes, he was a nice play. So I go, I went Darius Johnson as a player up, even though the rest of his team didn't show up. He actually did versus the Patriots, and people kind of overlooked that with you know all the everything else that kind of transpired there. Yeah, and PPR had a pretty good good day. I think he was like seven of eight targets. So PPR wise, he was actually a very good start. Um, but even you know standard, a uh, pretty solid. Um, my first guy. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Someone who had his their second highest scoring game of, game of the year. And um, maybe it's a normal game for them, uh, but just due to injuries and, uh, you know, pretty much just injuries. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is seemingly back. <laughs> like, at least in PPR, he had like 15 points <laughs> at the end of the first half. Um, so, yeah, Christian McCaffrey definitely uh, – Happy to see him back on the field, first and foremost, as a fan of the sport. Um, you know, he's one of those transcendent guys who's just been out for so long, obviously had the injuries last year. Um, having him on the field is a good thing. Having Cam on the field is a good thing um, for the sport. So happy to see uh, Carolina um, not just be the, the Darnold show anymore. Um, but, yeah, that would be um, – that's mine. 
Yeah, I definitely like it. I mean, got robbed of that touchdown from Chubba Hubbard. Come on, it came in and vultured it. <laughs> um, but and then Cam came in and vultured a couple as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I think that Christian McCaffrey is definitely back, and it's it makes this whole offense more relevant in the sense when he's out there. Um, other guys can be involved, and an offense can actually you know get up and down the field versus just kind of be stagnant. Yeah. Also, Mr. Sam Darnold not playing seems to help, help as well. <laughs> um, so my other belly up is going to, have to be Stefan Diggs. I talked about Patrick Mahomes getting back on track. Welcome back, Stefan Diggs, to you know the elite receiver core. Um, you haven't really had the numbers, this especially fantasy-wise this season. Been pretty consistent, but more so as like a top-end you know, receiver, too. Hasn't been that stud receiver one. You kind of expect him to be. And versus the Jets, he kind of reestablished himself. There's a lot of talk about this being a rushing attack, a rushing game. Well, Stefan Diggs didn't get that memo and went out there, lit up the Jets. And you know, welcome back. Belly yeah, up for you. Abs- absolutely. Uh, seeing <laughs> Stefan Diggs, finally, it's been one of those things where, like, my process is, like, Stefan Diggs is going to come back event. Like, it has to happen. Like, he's running all the same route. Like, there's no reason for what's happening to be happening. So glad to see him finally um, show up. Um, so my last one will be uh, a guy that I, I know has – you know, this running back group has confounded you for a while. Daryl Williams uh, had a monster day, uh, you know, in, in any scoring format, but especially PPR had a, just a monster day. Um, I think in PPR I scored like 30 or 29, I guess. Um, yeah, nuts day for him. The And we're going to – I discussed this later. I see in the show notes. But that, that running back situation is going to be real interesting uh, in the coming weeks. Um, totally sure. agree foreshadowing yeah um <laughs> yeah no my other belly up's gonna have to be on uh, in that other you know other backfield across from cleveland or stevenson from new england um basically at the starting starting job that day um there was a lot of you know discussion would he be active would he not be active got cleared saturday started sunday got 20 touches uh, or 20 carries i should say um was also involved in the passing of the game and just ran over guys through the uh, cleveland secondary and looked, you know, fantastic out there. A lot of guys kind of had spot started them. I know I must have added and dropped them like three times myself in one week. And <laughs> because I was, you know, was he going to play? Not going to play? He is playing? He's not going to play? And then just kind of, you know, the roster turned. But yeah, Ramondre Stevenson definitely was a belly up for me this week as well. Yeah, the uh, Patriots running back room is just as volatile as ever. Uh, Stevenson has been inactive and been a stud play at different times throughout the season. So. Interesting. Very, very interesting. A lot to uh, discuss there as well. Um, Moving on to some of the flops, and we got comments from Daniel talking about one of them, I think. Uh, You go first here, but yeah, definitely one that we'll have to hit on. Well, this one's for you, Daniel, because I know this was a question you asked last week, and that's going to be Mr. Mike Gusecki versus the the Ravens. Uh, You know, eight targets, if you want to call them that, was basically throws thrown in the vicinity of a guy most of those out of bounds are about 10 yards behind him. So, you know, Gusecki was not involved in this game like you kind of expected him to be. Definitely had some issues when Tua take o- took over. Uh, Tua gave a gallon after it was obvious he, he wasn't throwing much accuracy, particularly to Gusecki, where he missed several throws. Um, Mike Gusecki was a big missing got in, missing link in the offense offense versus the Ravens. And Waterbeds kind of had, you know, opportunities here or there to kind of shine. He did absolutely squat. And that was definitely one of the belly flops of the week, I think. Yeah, that was such a difficult situation. I mean, just <laughs> the QB struggle uh, was real. I'm going to keep it at the same position 
Uh, TJ Hawkinson did about the same thing. <laughs> Tough week for the tight end position. Uh, it, it actually very similar situation because it's also his quarterback just flat out stinks. Um, so, I mean, there, there's not too much to uh, to say there. The the disappointing season I think for Hawkinson just you know kind of continues, and that uh, a lot of people expected this massive leap forward where he can you know make it into at least that second tier of tight ends. Uh, and it just you know hasn't come to fruition in large part because of Goff and the passing volume and you know, all these other factors, um, which is, you know, disappointing for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to talk about disappointing, I think we kind of saw some foreshadowing occur for this situation, and that's Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan had a nice week last week, and every time we talk about Matt Ryan, especially in fantasy, he <laughs> rewards you with a week like this past week versus Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Cowboys got back on track in a lot of ways, but boy, Atlanta stunk offensively, and Matt Ryan in particular. In particular, um, he did nothing for you fantasy wise, so he's a big fat belly flop for myself this week. You know, it's kind of crazy how these I don't know themes just seem to mirror each other so well because you could just switch the names out for this next guy with what you just said, and it would work perfectly. And it's the same position, just like I just did before with the tight end. Baker Mayfield, you talk him up, Odell leaves town, has a good game, <laughs> and then he just has this dud. Uh, like, literally almost the same situation. Just gets absolutely curb stomped by the Patriots. Like you said, Dernis Johnson is really the only uh, good thing they had going for them. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's about all there is to say. Baker just wasn't it at all um this past weekend and that Browns offense as a whole wasn't it they clearly desperately need their running backs back that's what they're reliant on um yeah <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say <laughs> yeah that was that was a good old-fashioned ass kicking yeah they, exactly uh 100 to see the Patriots beat up on them that badly was I mean I was shocked but I I was happy to see Mac Jones playing that well um, which, you know, he very well could have been a belly up himself uh, just uh, from his play, but of course, you know, the passing volume and whatnot. <clears throat> so with that, uh, we, we saw two themes there <laughs> um, in kind of the, the tight end and, and quarterback position. But what are your, your top takes from the week? Um, anything that, you know, kind of stood out to you uh, on a big picture level? Well, first of all, I just want to give one more shout-out belly flop, and that's just to that Green Bay-Seattle game in general because <laughs> that was not what anybody was hoping to watch and expecting. And they're like, oh, yeah, I got Aaron Rodgers back, Russell Wilson's back, all right, DK, DJ Lockett, here we go. He's locked and loaded, and wow, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones gets hurt, and then the only person, if you had A.J. Dillon going, there's no person who probably walked out that day happy, or that yeah. game, I should say, happy. Yeah, um, right. But I think my – I was just boy Daniel in the reply said Metcalf, Rogers, and Adams. <laughs> yeah, it was hurting. People were hurting after that game. I know they were not happy. Um, so my big take of the week is the kind of the wave that we kind of were talking about and riding the wave and how you ride the wave. So a lot of times we've kind of encouraged you guys, you know, stead, you know stay steady on certain players or keep your eye on the prize with certain situations. And this is kind of why during playoff time, especially during this stretch, 
you're going to have ebbs and flows of the season. You're going to have weird things that happen. You know, people talk about all the time. Fantasy is not exact science. Is more, you know, you guessing the what the logic should happen. We've seen a lot of illogical things happen this year so far. But if you kind of hold on to hope that things will balance out to a capacity and be smart about it, of course. But I think it's a good time to remind yourself to stay kind of you know, patient. People who got, you know, Patrick Mahomes' big game this past Sunday, you rode through a lot of crap. And but we've kind of warned you along the way or encouraged you along the way. Go buy out Patrick Mahomes stock because the better days are coming. This isn't going to be something we're going to see forever. Um, and there's some other players out there that you kind of saw have bounce backs. You know, when you have the opportunity to kind of watch these guys, a lot of times people react for a game or two. In fantasy, you got to kind of look at it and you know, end all. Getting to the playoffs is the most important thing. And then once you get there, what are you going to do? So you want to keep your eye on the who do I have and don't panic on guys. If I can kind of ride out certain situations, do so to see will it balance out. And I always err on a caution, you know, note of caution to be free, move on from guys to kind of see you know, how long can you kind of hold on to it before you have to make a move? Yeah. Um, and my take, and this is what's beautiful about the new nuance of fantasy football, um, is, and I agree with that one, and it, it this take's going to kind of sound like it's pushing against that, but really I think you need to uh, balance the two, essentially, but it's just don't get complacent. On one hand, you need to make sure you are um, – thinking through, rationalizing everything you're doing. You need to be be patient, like you were saying, but you also need to make sure that you are making moves. Like if you're, uh, you know, 10 and 0 or 9 and 1, whatever, at the top of your league, that doesn't mean you sit back, you don't do anything on waivers, you're not trying to make trades. You still want to try to make your roster better every week, or if you can. Now, if that doesn't mean make trades to make trades. That doesn't mean get guys off waivers just to make those moves, but you know, shoot your shot a couple times a week, or at least be looking through the waivers every week. Um, you know, it's just... Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You have to be trying to make your team better, I guess, uh, would be the better way to put it. That doesn't mean force moves that aren't there. Um, that's where you get yourself into trouble. There's definitely a large portion of the fantasy community, especially online, that it feels like make moves to make moves or just enjoy trading, to be honest with you. But there is certainly an aspect of you, you can't just go through the season not doing those things. Um, so no, like I- the balance. I think that's 100% great point. Um, for me, ex- exactly. You want to you want to panic on guys, but you also don't want to sit there and, and bank on them either. And I think that's mm-hmm. you know, the point you're getting to is you also want to make sure you continue to improve or have backup plans in place um, 
to your point, don't get complacent, but also don't unload on guys, especially guys who you're kind of dependent on and you're bailing your lineup and you're kind of waiting for them on a low price, basically. Don't sell yeah. on a low price for certain guys and don't be afraid to buy on a low price on guys as well. And therefore, I think that's where you kind of talk about the roster churn. Like you don't, you don't want to sit there and just hope you're going to make the playoffs. But on the flip side, you also don't want to panic your way into the, doing moves that you don't need to um, just for the sake of, like you're saying, as a trade or because if I, Patrick Mahomes has two bad games, well, I can stream a quarterback and I can drop Patrick Mahomes for, you know, whatever. Don't, don't get, don't get it twisted and get, you know, overreact, yeah. I think, is basically. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't overreact, but also try to make some calculated moves to get you over the top, you know, uh, because those teams in, say, if you're in first, those teams in second, third, fourth, those are the ones that are playing real, real aggressive because they're out of it right now. They're trying to get in there. You know, those are the ones that are putting, putting their money into the middle of the table, going for it. And you may be ahead now, but you know, if one of them happens to hit, then, then things can shift pretty quick. Um, so you got to be cognizant of that. And again, just don't stay or don't be complacent. Um, all right. With that, we can move on to some, some actual actions. Um, some roster moves that you can make to make your team better, um, you know, both rationally and, uh, you know, actively. So, uh, Chris, what, what's your first piece of advice there? I mean, I, I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks about trying to add different running backs that are getting bigger, especially as the season gets colder. And I think I'm going to, you know, continue to emphasize certain guys to kind of target and look for. A lot of people are going to be excited about the Buffalo situation. Think Matt Breida took over different, you know, going to be the next guy in line. Blah blah. blah Singletary's backfield. I would try to buy Zach Moss on a cheap price if you can. I wouldn't waste a lot of capital. I mean, I wouldn't spend a lot of capital on trying to do so. But if you can acquire somebody like that, or you can try to see somebody who maybe is getting tired of it because they have a buy come up, drop some or something along those lines. Look to add these guys to your roster if possible. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that a lot. Um. This is going to be an interesting one. I just want to throw it out there as not a go do this, just a kind of check the market, gauge the market a little bit in your league. Um, someone may be willing to overpay. Uh, treat Mahomes like a high-end QB1, but he does have a, a very difficult stretch um, schedule-wise coming up. So if someone's willing to pay for him as, say, one of the top two QBs in fantasy and redraft, at least hear him out. Not saying do it, hear him out. Now, again, his value is like QB three, four in there, right? Like it's not like don't just sell him to sell him. But if you can get another top tier QB one for him plus, consider it. Again, gauge the price. Consider it, especially because of that late buy. Um, just see if someone will overreact to a 45-point game, essentially. Um, so just put that toe in the pool. Just, just get a little touch of just to see how, how it feels. Yeah, just the same as I said a couple when he was struggling. Hey, why not see if anyone's willing, willing to sell him? Uh, just same concept. Just see what the value's like on those top-end guys if, if they're having a streak like that. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. Um, I think to also one of the things I'd be looking at waiver wire is, is getting some depth at the quarterback position. Um, a lot of people like to try to get you know cocky with just have one quarterback on their team where I'm just going to stream different guys. You're going to start seeing with more injuries and certain things 
quarterbacks are going to start drying up and your choices aren't going to be so wonderful. And you're not necessarily going to get what you expect. All uh, Carson Wentz this past week where you weren't expecting Carson Wentz to do nothing versus a great matchup on paper. So I think this is important that you want to kind of start accumulating a backup option at quarterback. Running backs are awesome. They always have, you know, clean cups in place. But to me, you know, Adam's kind of talking about it. I think quarterback is one of the more important positions. People seem to always underestimate that. But having one who's really good and having options that are really good, that gives you the chance that week in, week out to compete with anybody. If your quarterback's underachieving and not producing, it's really hard to be able to consistently be a pretty good team. So I think your quarterback position is something you want to kind of address and make sure. And, you know, if you are, you're kind of lining up the playoffs or you're doing well, don't forget about adding some depth to the quarterback position just in case. Or as an option, as, you know, Adam talked about certain guys having tougher matchups coming up, maybe you want to have another choice that could be somebody to kind of go to if you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if matchups get tough, you know, injuries, everything, it's nice to have that that backup option. Um my other redraft uh, roster move advice, um, I, I would consider buying A.J. Brown, to be honest with you. He has a – looking at the schedule, other than the Patriots, there's nothing that I'm really afraid of uh, as far as the schedule goes coming up. Um, you know, obviously some AFC South matchups. Uh, Sam's the Colts. They've played the Colts twice already, so they've gotten that one out of the way. But they've still got matchups against, um, against the Texans and the Jaguars to look forward to, um, as well as some other pretty good ones. Um, you know, that AFC South schedule, there was that difficult run of the Buccaneers, the Bills, uh, some of these other tough teams that the Titans have already made it through. The Colts are going through it now. Titans have already made it through that. They did better than anyone expected them to during it. Um, and now they're kind of at that easier part of the AFC South schedule. So getting into that certainly wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, especially because he's like the only weapon there. I think that's a great point. Uh, do you have any other uh, roster moves? I think the only other thing I would probably recommend is more of an overall versus specific player, but you know, some guys that kind of jumped to mind might be like a Rondo Moore, or a guy like you said, like we like both like Elijah Moore. Some mm-hmm. of these younger receivers that haven't really kind of blown up as you kind of hope that they would do. But one of the things you're going to see as the season progresses, you're going to see teams kind of fade out of the playoff opportunity and maybe have a push to play at some of their younger guys. So maybe look at adding some of these guys to the bottom of your roster just to kind of hold for a sunnier day in case that something, you know, they kind of catch fire at some point or kind of the light bulb goes off where they get featured. Uh, we saw Elijah Moore have a nice little stretch there when Corey Davis got hurt, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good kind of, you know, mindset to kind of take that if you can go acquire a cheap receiver, especially during the last of these kind of five weeks coming up, try to get your hands on some of these guys, maybe who are just cutting or aren't really thinking about and try to add them to your roster just so you have an option just in case down the road. Yeah, absolutely like that. Um, I'm going to hit some dynasty points real quick. Um, dynasty seems to be <laughs> way overly down on uh, Aaron Jones at this point. I saw a poll on Twitter of, uh, it was earlier today, maybe yesterday, over half of the, the people that saw this, and it was a, a decent sample size, nothing crazy, but decent. Um, over half of them valued AJ Dillon over Aaron Jones in dynasty, which I know I'm going to go with no uh, personally. Uh, Aaron Jones has been an RB one uh, low end, but nonetheless an RB one uh, so far this season. Uh, AJ Dillon has been great. 
He's arguably undervalued at where people had had him prior to this week. Um, we're talking about a one or two week injury here with with Aaron Jones. Um, at, there's no reason to be that pushed off by just a one or two week injury, um, especially just given the the receiving volume that uh, Aaron Jones has gotten in certain games has been pretty awesome this season. Even when the rushing necessarily hasn't been there or, or the rushing has been split with AJ Dillon, he's been getting targeted out of the backfield a lot. Um, so especially in your PPR leagues, um, you know, see if, if people are down on Aaron Jones, uh, just, you know, check it out because uh, he, he's could be a very big part of a, a playoff push. Um, also, this is like a bottom of the barrel type of thing. But this may be the last time in Mark Ingram's career where you could actually put him in a trade. Like, this might be the last time. <laughs> so if you have him and you want him off your roster and you don't want to drop him, this probably is your last week to ever do that. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind. <laughs> um, but otherwise, uh, some some waiver wire stuff. Uh, so what, who are you kind of targeting on the waivers this week? Um, I've seen people kind of saying that it, it's a weak week for waivers. I think there's some really interesting options out there. Uh, you know, maybe not anything surefire, but definitely some interesting options. Yeah, I think there's some different guys that I'm looking at, like a Deontay Foreman. I'm not super excited by, you know, what I've seen with my eyes. I'm not super excited about the situation splitting carries, but I am super excited about the opponent in Houston where you can definitely run against this team. And Foreman has looked uh, a little bit better than the other guys. I still contend that some of the times people overreact to the yards per carry and, you know, that he looks so much more explosive than Adrian Peterson does. They're kind of running different offenses and plays also plays in a sense where Foreman's getting more opportunities on non-running, non-obvious running situations while AP's getting that first and 10 here comes off the tackle to come hell or high water and the whole stadium knows it Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of keep that in mind. But having said that, I do think he's a guy that if, you know, with a kind of a weaker, uh, waiver wire, as Adam kind of alluded to, might be a guy that you can kind of add and talk about somebody maybe you can flip if he has a decent week here or there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone like him is definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, in your redraft leagues, as kind of Chris pointed out, um, you know, maybe this is the time of year where you want to get that second quarterback. I'm, I'm going to say if your league starting to already dry up at the quarterback position, don't be afraid to stream Trevor Simeon, to be honest with you. if We've had a couple games now, and he hasn't looked overly impressive, but the fantasy numbers have been consistent every single time. Uh, T himself, uh, I, see, I think the biggest worry for him is him getting pulled for Taysom Hill. It's not his own play, because that offense is just going to let him dink and dunk down the field for 20 points every week, uh, or at least 15, because they're not going to blow out teams to where they're going to be able to run the ball especially not without Kamara. Um, and with Kamara, he's best at his best uh, receiving out of the backfield. So even then, uh, you know, he's going to get some value. Uh, he's a nice, safe quarterback to have as an option or to uh, stream if your quarterback has a buy. Um, yeah, there's nothing, no crazy upside or anything with him. And again, not vouching for his product on the field, but the fantasy production's been there. Well, I got to also defend what he's put on the field to a degree. I'm not a Trevor Simeon fan by any stretch of the means, but I have to give him his kudos. He's actually looked way better than I expected him to look. 
yeah. has made some nice throws. And I actually had to say that he has looked pretty decent out there. I wanted to hate on him, but I watched some of that game and I was, he made some big time throws, especially in that second half. So I, I, I don't wonder if he's not going to be the starter a little longer than people expect him to be. Yeah, no, that was the same boat uh, I was kind of in before this game. I felt like it was always Taysom Hill's going to come, Taysom Hill's going to come. And, you know, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know how you go about benching a guy. And this is the same thing. I, I saw people saying that uh, this is going to be Jimmy G's last game going into this game. Uh, in both situations, guys who are playing consistent turnover-free football, you can't really bench that. Uh, it's just kind of hard to do in today's NFL when you're playing a solid football. You know, neither of those guys are playing like world beaters, but they're they're taking what's there. They're playing consistent, and they're making a couple key throws where it matters. So, um, and, and they've been enough in fantasy. You know, both of them have been consistent high teens up into the, the low twenties guys for two, three weeks now. Yeah. And I think for me, Simeon, just real quick on Simeon, I've been impressed with his ability to actually use the whole field. I think that's mm-hmm. one thing where I think he actually has a chance to play a little bit longer because the scenes can actually attack all levels of the field. And I think it gives Sean Payton more options. My, that part I was surprised by because I think he could yeah. put outside the, you know, the down the field and down the hashes, particularly that accurately, accurately, you know, on with anticipation, and I was definitely impressed with some of those throws. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that was my guy. Do you have a uh, another waiver wire guy? Um, I think the other thing I would just recommend is that, like I said, this week you're gonna not you're gonna see a lot of guys kind of get dropped as this last kind of wave of waiver wires, or not sorry, of of um, bye weeks are kind of coming through, and just kind of keep your eye on their prize for guys down. The road. So I'll give you an example. This past week, um, I'm a David Montgomery fan, and I was excited to see him back last week. And I saw people just kind of just you know discard Khalil Herbert, and I think that was somebody I scooped up really easily, not to really compete for any kind of um, you know in the waivers necessarily order to get him because people were focused down this immediate week, not a guy who's down the road, and I'm able to add somebody like that. So I I kind of encourage you to look at players that people are kind of discarding, particularly handcuffed players that people are just kind of forgetting about for a week here or there, like a Carlos Hyde, somebody that somebody just kind of throws to the side for this week and then look, can you add some value and have some options maybe going throughout the second half or the last part of the season, I should say. Yeah, 100%. Uh, definitely a good idea whenever buys weeks hit to see if, if some value um, is there. Um, someone who I, I wouldn't be adding, but I want to I want to watch um, – and I had them on my watch list at the beginning of the season. Took my eye off of them for a while. Season started, nothing really happened. Now things are starting to get a little interesting. Uh, Byron Pringle had his highest snap share by far of the season last week. Um, McCole Hardman does seem to be kind of in the, the doghouse. He seemed to be almost last out of you know that kind of group, second group of guys of, of him, Pringle, and uh, – uh, uh, Robinson, uh, you know, I, yeah, Hardman was kind of out of it. Uh, that definitely void seems to be a little more open. It doesn't seem like they're trying to force Hardman anymore. Uh, you know, so just keep an eye there. Again, I, I'm not making a move on it right now, but that having a 61% snap share or uh, somewhere in that ballpark uh, in the Chiefs' offense, that's real interesting, especially given that it's been going 
slightly up uh, in recent weeks. So if that continues to go up, that could be very enticing. Good point. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, we kind of have our um, we have our waiver wire stuff and trade suggestions out of the way. So um, moving on to some of our big game previews. Uh, our first one, uh, when we kind of talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show, uh, Thursday night is New England at Atlanta, and both of these teams have some very interesting running back conundrums. Um, you know, Atlanta, Cordero Patterson seemed to practice a little bit today, uh, despite having, uh, it was an ankle sprain, or was that what it was? That's what they, uh, it was initially reported as a high ankle sprain, but it was yeah, definitely which an is ankle typically sprain. like at least you're missing some time. Um, but then he's practicing today. So I don't know what's going on there. That's definitely going to be something we have to keep pallies on throughout the week. Also, is Damien Harris going to get back? Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this, the running back situations for both teams? Yeah, I know Harris actually returned to practice himself today. And just to clarify for Patterson, it's Tuesday and a limited practice basically means they saw you there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know what he actually did or what he can or can't do still. That is kind of odd reporting. And I do think right now you have a situation where people are running out to grab themselves Wayne Gallman off his waivers, why we're kind of talking about, you know, in our previous um, discussion. And I think this is something where you got to kind of get some clarification before you, you know, go crazy. And also watch people who are just discarding Mike Davis. I don't think that I, – I personally, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, I like Wayne Gallman's involvement with more so to do – more to do with – it being a complete ass whooping by the Cowboys and Atlanta's being blown off the field. And it was that the taking over the guard in the sense that Mike Davis is now no longer going to be involved in this offense. Um, that's only, and it only matters if Cordero Patterson is not playing, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to your point, this only matters if Cordero Patterson's not playing, but I think the situation is so, so interesting um, just because of kind of like the, the themes here, right? So Patterson, if he's truly dealing with the, uh, the injury that was reported, a high ankle sprain. Like that could be something that hinders him throughout the year, especially if he tries to play through it. Um, like that could be genuinely something that kind of lingers. Um, so looking down the stretch, part of me is a little interested in Gallman because it's like uh, Mike Davis has notably fallen off late in seasons before. Uh, Patterson, if he has a lingering in- injury, that could get really interesting. But on the flip side, Mike Davis's usage is not near what it was last year because of Cordero Patterson. So really, will that fall off be the same? Um, I don't know. The whole situation's interesting. Um, the, if your bench is to the size that you've put up with Mike Davis's two does the last two weeks, I would honestly probably recommend keeping him until things get kind of sorted out. Um, but nonetheless, I, I couldn't really firmly speak to one way or the other here, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I, for myself, I'm not trying to play either one of these guys versus the Patriots this yeah. week, um, regardless of the Patterson situation. But I do think it is something to keep mindful of moving forward. To your point, it can linger, or you can easily, you know, get re-injured. Um, so this is something you do kind of want to think about. And I think if Atlanta's has is smart, Cordell Patterson's smart, I would take my time with this injury. Like this is your I chance agree. to get paid, dude. So I, I would try to hold out maybe a couple games. Um, having said that, I do think that, you know. Speculative ads are going to be more so where you're, where you are as a team. I think if you're just kind of 
don't hoping moon option kind of materializes and just want to throw out a you know a feeler wink on my beer at if you legitimately think about somebody you have to play maybe next week or two because they do play jacksonville i think in a week or two as well um in a good matchup then you you know maybe you go mike davis and you add somebody that were as adam kind of pointed out has a history of kind of falling off late in the season but he also hasn't been involved really throughout this entire season um mm-hmm. and oddly He's getting, you know, crapped on a lot this year because he's not really had good numbers. But his yards after contact is one of the best in the NFL right now. It's just not his fault. He's getting basically blasted in the backfield and still gets two and a half yards falling forward. So I do think Atlanta has some concerns offensive line. Um, but I think there's also some pieces there in place that if Calvin Ridley could possibly come back next week or two and week 14 is the earliest I guess he can come back versus Jacksonville. His offense has a chance to be able to move the ball with a Matt Ryan in the division that they play. So one of those running backs actually could be something that kind of pays off as the season progresses. Um, so I think it's interesting, but it's not guys I want to target this week. Yeah, I don't want to play any of them this week, but it is kind of going to be interesting monitoring those guys going forward. Uh, last note on Mike Davis, though. Uh Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I think he kind of retains value, especially in PPR at any time if um, if Cordero Patterson's not in. Because even when Wayne Gallman this past week, uh, you know, got all the carries, uh, Davis was the one getting a lot of the receiving game uh, as far as the running back situation was concerned, which that in and of itself was kind of weird. Um, I guess it was probably by the time that Gallman was in, they were just no longer trying to get back into it. But Regardless of that, uh, something to keep in mind is they will throw the ball to Davis, despite the fact that he is that, you know, 5'9", 220 pounder type back. If Patterson was out, he would probably get a decent receiving share to uh, give him a solid four. That's a great, about, great point. Um, um, so, yeah, the New England backfield situation, I think, is very similar, depending on who's healthy. I do think you can play if Harris is healthy and he starts, and I think the key word is he starts, then I go with Harris. If he's not the starter, but he's healthy and he's dressed, I wouldn't play him because God knows what you're going to see in that New England backfield. Um, I want to say play Stevenson so badly because I love what I saw, but it's the Patriots, and I could see just him not being involved in some miraculous, crazy way this week, but it's the Patriots. So, yeah. If if Harris was to play or dress but not start, would you touch any running back in that backfield? I would. I if I would. I would take the Stevenson in that situation. I would think that means that they made a game plan that they plan on evolving him. To me, the England's real is real is real simple. If they game plan for you, 
then you're going to be used. If they don't have you in their game plan, then basically you're screwed, and that's where you kind of find out from week to week where you stand, I think. Very, very good insight. All right. Um, so let, let's kind of move on briefly to uh, is there, <laughs> there anyone else uh, outside of the quarterback position uh, so wide receiver, tight end, is there anyone not named Pitts that you're you're really interested in playing? Like uh, maybe Jacoby Myers, who finally scored his uh, first career touchdown. So shout out to him uh, for, what was it, 100-something receptions with no touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, so. thank God for Jacoby Myers. Um, I think that Jacoby Myers is an interesting play. Hunter Henry could be an interesting play. I think what's weird about this game is that neither defense and the Patriots are playing well late, but are indestructible in a sense you can't attack them. But it feels like so kind of odd that you feel like you can play so little guys in this actual game itself. So that's kind of why I pose that question is like, you know, we know Pitts is a play. Henry should be a play, I would imagine. Um, the guys scored, you know, a touchdown basically every game except for, a lot, I think, was a week or two ago um, over the last like six, seven games. Um, and Atlanta is not a good, you know, good against secondary. Myers is interesting because the secondary is so poor. But then you could, could you go with a Kenyon Bourne who's had big games, quote unquote, as the outside, you know, outside receiver for the Patriots and kind of has been playing the Nelson Aguilar role, but Nelson Aguilar is not playing as a deep threat. Um, I, I don't know if you can get greedy in this game, but I do think there's guys that maybe for DFS purposes you could definitely take a shot at. And if you're in desperate situations, maybe consider some of these guys, particularly on the Patriots side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I think I'm right there. It's uh, unfortunate, uh, this matchup, that there's not a lot of offensive weapons I really feel like I can trust on the Patriots side, um, despite the great matchup against uh, Atlanta. Um, so moving on to our, our next game, which is uh, Indianapolis at Buffalo. Uh, our, our first kind of key point here is, you know, is that Josh Allen digs connection back? Um, you know, what's your take there? I think this is a good matchup for them. Certainly, uh, Xavier Rhodes has probably been the, the weak point of the, the secondary, I guess, ignoring the safety injuries. Um, but when everything's healthy, he's been probably the weak point to be honest with you, which I would have been shocked to hear going into the season, but it's just been the case. Uh, so certainly a, a primary, you know, receiver one can win matchups and against this defense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the million dollar question in a lot of senses. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, this is what you kind of drafted them where you took them for and was hoping from last week. And this is going to continue this week. I think it's in between. I think part of the thing we saw is that Stefan Diggs was featured last week. I got to see that continue to be the case where I think part of Buffalo's evolution as an offense is Josh Allen spreading the ball around a bit more, but as a result, you're not getting Stefan Diggs getting those, you know, those prime targets over and over again and kind of being able to utilize his entire route tree as a result of the target and volume he's going to see. So I think that's an evolution that might continue to occur, particularly against the Colts defense that you can kind of attack different places. I think Rhodes has been kind of struggling this year. I did question how healthy he's been because I know he's missed, you know, has mm-hmm. been hurt. I don't know if he's back already healthy again, but then he missed the week before. Um, so I, I think that's been really, you know, really hard on him. Um, and then your your slot corner, who's just sh- shockingly not good this year uh, and, and more. And I think that 
that's something I was really surprised to kind of see. So you can definitely attack them with some quicker guys. So I look at this team, I look at the Colts, and I think that, yeah, you can you could probably play some multiple guys, and Josh Allen should be a good test. But it's also a good test in my, my mind for that cover three shell defense that supposedly stops everybody like this. So because they really didn't see that worst the Jets last week, um, and I think that you know the Colts definitely give you that similar feel of vibe. And the Colts have matched up with this team pretty well over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will note is that I will say Kenny Moore had a solid game or pretty good game uh, this past week. I guess I just say solid in that you have to uh, <laughs> average it, weight it differently because it was against uh, the Jaguars. Uh, but he had a very good game this past week, so just something to keep in mind. But he definitely – had struggled uh, early in the season. Um, definitely wouldn't disregard that. Just, uh, you know, have to throw it out there. Um, yeah, uh, kind of what this Buffalo situation is going to be like is, is really interesting just because there's so many potential ways it could go. Uh, I could definitely see Diggs having a really good game. I could see, you know, Beasley coming in and, and doing really well. I could also see Beasley's rib injury continuing to kind of hold him back a little bit and someone like a Gabriel Davis going off uh, like he did last week. Uh, I think there's a lot of options here. I definitely think the Bills offense is going to score some points, but I am a little curious about where. Um, and one of our other notes here is what's going on with the Bills running back situation. Uh, you know, <laughs> that has kind of devolved from a, a I don't want to call it a two-headed monster, but a, a two-person committee to a, now a third person with uh, Breda kind of getting involved a little bit. So uh, can you trust anyone here? I know you um, threw out Zach Moss earlier. Uh, is, is that kind of still your guy here, or, and what's your take? So while I'm about Zach Moss to have on your roster as the season kind of progresses, I am not about Zach Moss versus the Indianapolis Colts this week. <laughs> uh, I don't want to touch that backfield with a 10-foot pole this week. I don't want to overreact. Number one, I wouldn't overreact to Matt Breida. Um, the two, two touchdowns are a big part of why he had anything to do fantasy-wise. Otherwise, you had a Houston Texans situation right there, where there's a bunch of guys getting seven, eight carries and nobody really doing anything. But if one guy scores and suddenly he's on your radar. So I think Matt Breida had two opportunities to score. Don't read too much into it. Singletary had a little bit more usage than I was hoping for, for the as Zach Moss guy, who I think should be the backfield guy. But in general right now, there's a lot of talk about getting back to the run. They didn't run for crap versus the Jets. So don't get it twisted. All of a sudden, this team's going to start trying to be your physical running team because they did not do that. All they decided to do was, let's just throw the stuff on digs all the time. And maybe that all should be how our offense is kind of quote-unquote works as our other running game. Um, so I think that's more curious to see. Is that something they get back to with the Colts this week? And continue to do otherwise. I think the Colts are a tough matchup. I don't know Darius Leonard's stat- status right now. I know he was kind of banged up last game. Um, but if he's healthy out there, even he's not healthy, but out there, this team's hard to run the ball on. So I'm not touching any of these guys this week if I can avoid doing so. Yeah, a hundred percent agree there. Well, well, on the opposite side, uh, offensively for the Colts, and what what would you say about Pittman? He's obviously got a tough matchup with White, but has been very consistent over the last few weeks, um, even with Hilton coming back. Um, you know, he's been consistent. He's had some fantastic games, so he's been consistent with some upside. Uh, so kind of what's your take there? Maybe something just kind of closer to that floor but still startable, or or are you concerned about playing him overall? 
I mean, I think you have to start him because of the streak he's been on. But I do have some concerns myself. I'm interested to see does Frank Reich move him around enough to kind of get him away from White. So I do think it's a tough matchup for him. And I do think Pittman's going to be an ascending player and a really good player. I still don't think he's quite there with the running his routes clearly all cleanly and precisely. Where I think a true Davis White can be really hindrance to him and can cause Carson Wentz to maybe have a couple bad throws here or there that I think the one, if you're a Colts fan, you want to avoid. Um, so I do think there's some concerns in my in the sense where will they be creative enough, particularly moving him into the slot to keep him away from White sometimes. So it's not just a one-on-one matchup where they can Buffalo can just focus on him, you know, predominantly take him away. So, I, and I also think TY's got to show up about that to happen as well, because if they can play White and pay extra attention to Pittman, what can he really do for that defense? Yeah. A hundred percent. Is there anyone else kind of with that in mind that you even consider playing or no? Uh, you know, I feel like it's kind of hard for me because it, that seems like a rotating door as to who that second option is. If, if Pittman's not someone you could go to. So I don't know that I would uh, really want to consider anyone, um, you know, maybe in a DFS, you could throw a dart on one of the tight ends. Um or, you know, maybe a Pascal or something. But uh, for fantasy's sake, I I don't think I could, uh, you know, pick one to play. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think if, I think in theory it should be a Zach Pascal game. Um, but I still don't see – I'm not – I just hard for me to take a guy like that, so I, I can't, you know, push for it too hard. But I, I, in theory it should be a game where he has pretty decent production. Yeah. A hundred percent. I feel this. I felt actually, I felt the same way about Heinz like a half dozen times so far this season and it's just never happened. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm out of the game of trying to predict who that option is. If Pittman's going to have a tough matchup. Um, our guy Daniel, uh, in, in the comments is asking, um, uh, Gallman or Foreman. Uh, he apologizes if we went over that already, which to an extent we have, but I don't think we directly compared the two. Uh, or Gesicki uh, in his flex for the week. Um, my take, and Chris, you go ahead after this, but I think if you need to play them this week, I would rank that in probably Gesicki, then Foreman, then Gallman. Um, you know, it, as far as the order of which I would want to play them. Although I would take that with uh, an asterisk of keep an eye on kind of what's going on with the Dolphins QB group, um, you know, is, is, Tua looking a little bit healthier this week in practice. If not, then maybe you just air to the side of, of Foreman who can at least maybe have a decent floor. Yeah, I'm 100% with you, Adam. I think it's that exact, that exact order. For me, it's Gusecki, Foreman, and then um, Gallman. I think that Gusecki's the ideal player. They're playing the Jets. You know, like I said, I talked about Tua's struggles, but he did have, in theory, eight plays run for him. He should be heavily involved in this offense. They're still, not, they're still banged up. And the Jets defense is historically bad right now. So mm-hmm. I definitely think you want to get players if you can involved in that game versus a third or fourth back out of a backfield and hoping that they're doing something. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, yeah, Gallman, uh, I, I think we're just a little hesitant um, to play him yet. I, I think he's a good long-term add and kind of see. Just not some some – right now play uh, that we're super confident in. Um, moving on to 
uh, our next game here, Cincinnati at Las Vegas. This should kind of be almost the opposite of the last couple of games we've looked at. And the, uh, is this a game that you play almost any piece you have? Uh, you know, I don't know about if you could necessarily go with Deshaun Jackson quite yet, but this is the type of matchup that you would want to be playing with him. Just kind of a situation of uh, do you trust kind of the, the usage of him as of yet? Um, but certainly uh, your Waller, your Edwards, your, you know, all these other, your obviously Chase Higgins, um, you know, these guys are definitely in play. Um, you know, obviously getting mixing off buys massive, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, this is going to be a fun game, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at this game and I think to myself, when you look at the matchups now, there's a lot of talk about the Raiders defense being improved and better, size defense being improved and better. But we've seen both these defenses get let up um, at some points this season. So when you put that into consideration and you look at what you see the matchups are, you really have a hard time finding a bad matchup for either side. Um, even the ones that are quote unquote harder are like on some of the stars. For example, you know, Cincinnati is pretty good versus the um, opposite receiver. I'm sorry, not uh, Cincinnati. Um, the Raiders do pretty good against the number one receiver, Casey Hayward, but are you going to bench Jamar Chase because of Casey Hayward? So no. And then you look at, okay, well, who's not seeing Casey Hayward? Okay, we'll look at these other guys and their matchups, and you're kind of excited by seeing, like, well, you know, that matches up pretty good. And there's a lot of guys that, if they are to kind of slow down Jamar Chase, can I play Higgins? Can I also even play Boyd? Um, he's got a fantastic matchup versus a slot in Oakland who's you know, struggled versus that position this entire season. And even the tight end has an opportunity versus defense. We saw Travis Kelsey have a wonderful game. Tight ends have been great against Oakland this entire season. Sorry, Las Vegas this entire season. So <laughs> and you look at a situation where I always do that. Them in Washington kill me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think this is a situation where you're looking at it and thinking, can I not play somebody? Even, and then in Oakland, on the Vegas side, it's very similar. Like, you don't want to shout to Sean Jackson, but – Boy, couldn't maybe this is a good matchup for him. And then Edwards had a nice game. Waller has a good matchup on paper. Renfro just seems to be Derek Carr's favorite player by far. Um, and then both quarterbacks have an opportunity to kind of have get right games versus defenses. So yeah, I just kind of everybody seems like it's a possibility of a play. I figured, I knew it's not going to materialize that way, but it's definitely tantalizing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is going to be it, to your point. It's a very good opportunity for a get back game and for both quarterbacks uh kind of leaving the game if one of them struggles that'd be kind of my like i'm really concerned about you if if things don't go well um especially on the raiders end just you know having lost the coach you're kind of past that uh you know rally moment you're past that like all right let's rally around our new coach moment you know you've, you've had some other situations pop up since then uh you know, this could certainly be a kind of defeated locker room, especially if things don't go their way this week. Um, so our next game is Dallas and Kansas City. <laughs> and it is another tale of two quarterbacks who would kind of, you know, maybe not been up to snuff, so to speak, um, you know, for a little bit. Dak, not nearly the same extent as Mahomes, obviously. Um, but nonetheless dropped uh, some some duds and some definitely a lot of uh, low-end QB1 games, a lot of games kind of below where you drafted him, a lot of those. Um, so are these guys back? You know, they both 
this past week performed at what you drafted them for or better. Uh, you know, in Mahomes' case, or I guess he probably went as the QB1 in a lot of cases. In those <coughs> cases, he did perform like that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, what, what's your take there? Was that, you know, these guys have good matchups, or is that you know, a sign of things to come? Well, I think I'm going to kind of defer to your Joe Burrow and uh, David Carr, Derek Carr, you know, comment about this kind of making a break game for them. I think this is make or break game for both these quarterbacks to see really where they stand. Neither defense is good. So let's just not, you know, get it confused. So neither defense is that good. Both offenses have kind of gotten stale at points, and that's when they've kind of got easier to defend. Um, and do they bring tenacity week in, week out? Dallas seems to kind of struggle with that offensively, kind of, especially offensive line. Chiefs kind of seem to struggle with that just as a mentality in general. So <clears throat> to me, on paper, this should be a very high-scoring game. Neither defense should pose much of a threat. Now, if it's a, you know, slobber knocker game where one team struggles, I think that should be your telltale sign that things aren't necessarily going to get any better. Or maybe you had a blurt, you know, a blimp in the in the hope. You know, I talked about being patient, but I also don't want to be blind. And then Patrick Mahomes kind of goes right back and reverts versus his Dallas Cowboy defense, which he should be able to exploit. It kind of goes back to you know a buck sixty six on twenty for forty seven. I think and it might be time to panic. <laughs> um yeah. so I think that's kind of – and Dak Prescott, likewise. I think if Dak Prescott kind of gets off his game and he's throwing floaters out there and you got two garbage touchdowns to, you know, Scott Turner again or, you know, Mel Turner and guy off the bench because that's the only way you're getting any points, then you're going to start panicking about the Dallas offense and some of those playmakers like a C.D. Lamb and, and Cooper. So I do think it's a test for everybody, especially the quarterbacks, to see are you truly back or is it kind of just, you know, reliable foes in a sense that you get you're comfortable with and you know how to kind of just go up and beat them well yeah absolutely um you know the other one the other running back situation we kind of alluded to early in the show um uh, you know what what's going to happen with this chiefs backfield with clyde edwards hilaire uh you know returning uh you know what what happens with daryl williams um is gore gonna show show back up ever again uh you know what what are you what do we do with this situation would you want to maybe play it safe and not start one of these guys if you can this week or would you go all in on a Clyde Edwards Hilaire are you still feeling Daryl Williams kind of what's your take here yeah so I actually have the the blessing and curse owning both these guys in my leagues and I've been dreading this moment but exciting about this moment like for the last few weeks um my reaction is I'm usually cautious. So sometimes that burns me. Sometimes it's an advantage for me. But when it comes to coming off injury, I'm almost always cautious about playing that guy that first came back. So until it happens and I material, it materializes in front of my face, I'm not banking on it. So I was not that guy with David Montgomery in my lineup week one right away when he comes off IR. I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. So for me, if I can avoid doing so, I prefer not to play either one of those guys, which – I don't know if I have that option because I, I sit in that same situation where roster-wise of guys, different buys and different situations, can I actually bench one, you know these guys if I have both of them? And I do think one's going to be worth a flex play at best. I think if I were to guess, I would say it should be Edward Hilaire if he comes back and there's no talk about him being on any kind of pitch count or anything along those lines. Um, I do think Williams has earned a right in his backfield moving forward. I do think it's going to be a situation where you're going to see both these guys used and it's not going to be Edward Hilaire getting 75% of the, you know, the touches in the backfield. 
having said that, I do think that Darrell Williams kind of shows you his limited capacity of what he can bring to this offense as well. And if if Patrick Mahomes is actually willing to involve his running backs and willing to throw the ball to a running back nine times in a game, Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. If you throw those five or six to Edwards Hilaire and four or five of those to Williams, both those guys can be flex options as the season progresses. It's going to kind of depend on what you see. And I think this is a great test, Elizabeth test, for Dallas defense that should play you know, mostly soft zone and allow some of those underneath. So you're going to see, can both those guys eat? Because if he throws the ball to both these guys, then you have to worry about Andy Reid actually handing it to them for them to be involved. Yeah. I, absolutely this is definitely and I, I like what you said about uh, playing cautious I'm definitely that way as well um, you know trying to if I can help it not get those guys in on the first game back from injuries and I, I think you know this situation is going to be just so so difficult uh, early on um, yeah that's a difficult choice you've got this week um, so we've got you know a couple more games here uh, one of them is Pittsburgh at the Chargers. Uh, we, we may have the return of Big Ben, which that's in, an interesting little conversation in and of itself because we're – so he declared symptoms on Saturday – Friday or Saturday? I think it was Saturday. So this timing is going to be even closer than Rodgers, who already didn't get off until – Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But he was vaccinated, so it does help him. Yeah, so Ben's vaccinated, so we'll get back a little bit quicker, but also he's missing like, well, like a four-day difference. Um, So what, Rodgers was probably a full week. um, There more than that. Probably 10 days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Ben's going to be cutting it very close, uh, it, it seems. Especially, so if he... He reported symptoms, correct? So he got it in some capacity, not like uh, yes. I tested positive and nothing happened. Um, so that could certainly linger a little bit. Uh, that's definitely going to be a situation to watch throughout the week. Uh, the question, I guess, is how much does that matter? Um, I think it does. Um, as disgusting as it sounds, I think that after last week, you can pretty clearly point to Ben is somehow still better than Mason Rudolph. I don't know if if like they're kind of linked and because Ben got worse, Mason also had to get worse or or what necessarily happened here. But yeah, I don't. It's gonna be real rough to trust anyone outside of like 
maybe Deontay just out of pure volume. Uh, and obviously, Najee Harris for the same reason, uh, if Mason Rudolph's the starter. Yeah, so I, I have a slightly different take just on that, where I do think that there is an impact on some of those guys where I think James Washington's playable if Mason Rudolph's the quarterback because of the, the connection and it's obvious that those guys look for each other. He looks for him more often mm-hmm. um, versus if Ben's the quarterback, where I think James Washington becomes obsolete, if not you know, basically obsolete out there. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, I think Deontay Johnson has way more value when Ben Roethlisberger's the quarterback than Mason Rudolph is because there seems to be Ben just looks for you know Deontay all the time and makes sure he's heavily involved and targeted versus Rudolph, who tends to try to look around, I think, more guys and uses athleticism a little bit more instead of just forcing those you know, short throws to Deontay. So I do think it impacts them in that sense. I think it really impacts Harris, except for maybe more opportunities to score, which is weird to say because Ben hasn't really been lighting up the scoreboard. But Pittsburgh, I, I just feel like they would have scored more than 16 points if Ben Roethlisberger was a quarterback last week versus the Detroit Lions. Um, that was horrendous. So I do think that it does matter to a degree – it might not necessarily jump out to you how it matters, but I think you will see based on some of these guys' ceilings and involvement as a result of it. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, can see that point. Um, you know, what will what, what are the Chargers going to do? Are they going to – is this kind of time for them to lean on Eckler and some of these other guys a little bit more? Uh, you know, Roundtree, uh, I believe, got his first touchdown of his career this week. Uh, you know, is it time for them to lean on that running back stable a little bit more? Do you think they hammer? Well, I think it's interesting to kind of think about because you look at Detroit Lions ran for, I think it was almost over 200 something yards versus this Pittsburgh defense. And this Pittsburgh defense has always been known to be great against the run historically, but it really hasn't been. And last week, I think, you know, you had DeAndre Swift and, and backup, backup, backup guys out there look, just looking at everybody just untouchables in a sense in the backfield. You know, Jared Goff threw for what, about 15. Um, you knew it was coming and they couldn't stop it. So I'm really curious to see, do the Chargers continue just to be past happy like they have been most of the season? Or do they kind of look at that and say, you know what, one of the things we kind of play into their hands is that we, we throw the ball a lot is they actually have an okay secondary all of them meets a Fitzpatrick might not play um, and they can get some of a pass rush. But if we run the ball at them, also like just like we are, you run the ball right at us, we can't stop it. So maybe we should try to do something likewise to them. I am curious to see kind of how the coaching I, – I think it's going to be pass happy still I think mm-hmm. because it's something the Chargers haven't really shown is that they actually adapt to who they play. Um, but I do think it's kind of a, a something to kind of think about when it comes to some of the upside, particularly of Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely uh... – Kind of going to be interesting to kind of see with that young coaching staff there. Um, so our last game to really key in on this week is the Monday night game. So Giants at Tampa Bay. Um, Saquon, the receivers seem to be back uh, for this game. Um, you know, Saquon is one of those talents where it's hard to really keep him out of your lineup. But, man, this is, like, one of the toughest matchups, uh, you know, for that position. Um, what's your take there? Um, you know, are, are you going to necessarily trust that? Or or are you, you know, wanting to go in a different direction? 
Um, or, or are you just kind of, uh, I, you have to play the guy cause he's that guy, but maybe temper expectations a little bit. Yeah. So I think there's like some of the concern. Um, and I usually, like I said, I err on the side of caution, particularly the injury back. But I think this has been a situation where we kind of what we're dealing with. It's a sprain. It's not something that he's, he can severely like hurt himself, you know, long-term with. I think this actually might be a blessing in disguise and somewhat for him where he had a chance to kind of get some more rest on his leg, kind of completely heal from his off-season surgery, maybe focus on getting kind of his balance back. And the big thing of versus this match in this matchup is while they're, you know, they have been really good against the run, beat away could be questionable. I mean, we saw him kind of be banged up at the end of the last game. And then on top of it, you definitely can throw the ball to your backs against yeah. this Tampa Bay team. And, you know, Gibson wasn't, it wasn't super explosive. We did have two touchdowns, had 20 carries, 60-something yards for his defense. So it's a matter of committing to running against the, his defense as well. So I do think that when I have, I have Saquon Barkley, I'm playing him this week because I like the upside out of the backfield from catching the ball. And I like the fact that with all these receivers actually should be healthy while they might kind of butcher each other. I mean, well, I hope we can talk about that a little bit. But I think ultimately the one person who does a benefit doesn't get hindered from all them being healthy is Saquon where you can't really focus taking him away and therefore he's the easy check down. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into that receiver situation. Um, do you think it kind of reverts back to what it was and everyone was healthy last time, which feels like feels like a year ago back at the beginning of the season when Sterling Shepard was kind of like lighting it up the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, and then it's just been kind of this rotating cast of guys uh, since then. Um, so do you think it kind of reverts back to that? Do you, or do you think, um, you know, someone like uh, some of these other guys have kind of taken over a little bit? I'm really curious um, because Kenny Galladay should be heavily involved to a degree in this offense. And I know we've, I've had arguments about this, uh, about his fit necessarily on the team. But I do think you have to, you know, play him. You can't just pay him in this right. sense. Um, and then you have... The question is, Tony or Slayton become the other guy on the other side? I don't know if they're going to get cute and split time between them. I don't know if they're just going to let one of them establish themselves. That's more my curiosity. I think Shepard's kind of penciled in as that slot receiver. I think he kind of will return to that go-to security blank for Daniel Jones that he was in the beginning of the season. I do think there'll be a little bit more emphasis, though, to push those boundary receivers, though, having said that. I do think they're going to try to be a little bit more aggressive because – I do think that's part where this offense struggles to score points. They don't get big plays enough. Um, and I do think that's something the coaching staff, while Jason Garrett's not the most creative guy, I think even he understands you got to push the ball down to the field sometimes. So I, I think that's going to be something they kind of focus on doing. This this week in particular, I think Shepard's probably your safest play because you love the floor. You know he's going to probably be involved in this game no matter what. Tony is probably the highest ceiling guy where you, you love the matchup versus guys who – you know, your, your fourth, fifth string cornerbacks right now for Tampa Bay, and they're kind of struggling with tackling overall. And then you have, the, you know, the, the upside options of a Kenny Galladay, who I actually think might be the safest option because I think he's guaranteed to get an opportunity for a touchdown this week. Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting uh, situation for sure. But uh, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that kind of Slayton Tony situation. Um, between those two who can really establish themselves. Um, but you're right on that that uh, touchdown upside as far as uh, Galladay is concerned. It's just, you know, will they use him how they how they should? Um, 
who kind of remains to be seen uh, a little bit. Uh, what about the New York defense in Tampa Bay? And Tampa Bay really, uh, you know, wasn't everything they should have been um, this past week. Um, the Giants defense has shown a little bit of promise at times. Uh, you know, what do you make of that? Is something is that something that you would you know be concerned about? I think most of the guys in the Tampa Bay offense who kind of if they're your guys, you kind of have to play them. But, uh, you know, is this a situation where you're tempering expectations a little bit, or is it just kind of a, a matchup thing? Yeah, I kind of struggle with this Giants defense in general because I've watched them put up numbers and stop, you know, some good offenses over the last few weeks and really kind of slip up their game. And there were some bad offenses as well. And Carolina jumps to mind, but they still dominated defensively in that game. The defense was supposed to be the strength of this team in general. Um I still don't believe in it um, because I still think it's the Giants that unless and if you certain ways you can attack them. But I think we look at the personnel. They don't have a great pass rush, but they do have pretty good players in their secondary. They have pretty good players. They're going to be focusing on stopping the run. They miss Blake Martinez. That's ultimately why I think the defense isn't back because I think you can still attack those linebackers. But I do think the defense is a little bit better than people may think, think it was, but not quite as good as everybody trying to act like all of a sudden this defense is, you know, back on track and be able to carry this team. Tom Brady does concern me a little bit. He's the second week in a row. He's kind of struggled. Um, I don't know if it's the, the ongoing finger thing that we kind of saw a couple yeah. weeks ago. I don't know if it's the losing some of the rhythm between guys in and out of the lineup right now um, or playing injured. Chris Godwin definitely doesn't look like he's healthy to me. He was definitely involved in that game, but he didn't look explosive at all. Right. And then I feel like Tampa Bay is in a weird situation where they're trying to figure out what they want to be in a sense offensively still. Leonard Ford has been really dominant when he's able to kind of be that workhorse back, and they play really well off his play-action opportunities. But on the flip side, they have Tom Brady when they throw the ball a lot. So I think they're kind of having a hard time committing to what they are overall, and therefore I think Brady's kind of struggling as a result offensively as well. Mm-hmm. Having Speaking said that, guys, I'm playing versus the Giants. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, speaking of guys who have kind of uh, been in and out of the lineup, like you were saying, at the the receiver position, do you think this is finally the game that uh, Antonio Brown's back? Uh, you know, he's had to been a really good value in the games that he's played early in the season, uh, and then the injuries have been just kind of taking him out for, it feels like, forever now. Uh, it, it looks like there's, there's a chance this, this week, but... You know, I don't know. What's your take here? So, yeah, I think this is a wrong situation. I was talking about this on the MD show the other week, where there's all the teams you can't trust. Now, Pete Carroll talks about hyperbole and always has, like, the you know, Mr. Positive Sunshine with everything he reports on. But Tampa Bay is the masters of not putting guys in the IR who should be put on the IR and telling you they can play next week possibly. I mean, we look at Gronk. He's been – Possibly return for, what, two months now? Um, Antonio Brown's in a similar situation. Just got a a, um, a walking boot off possibly last week. He removed it. I wouldn't bank on getting Antonio Brown back this week. I would probably estimate you're not going to do so. I think Tampa Bay is going to make sure he's good and healthy and as healthy as possible until they get him back out there. I think one of the things they're kind of doing is working on their team through attrition in a sense where they don't want to lose games so as much as they're throwing any games. But I think this is kind of a tactic that you've seen, you know, Patriot teams do in a sense where they play almost handcuff themselves, where they want to try to be against adversity to see what they're ready for the long term. Mm 
I think this is going to be a chance for some of these guys to get opportunities to play and then play without not, you know, all their good players necessarily to see where they are and got kind of get that experience. So just in case they're in the crown or God would, or somebody goes down in the playoffs, they have a guy they can put back out there. So I think a lot of these guys, the older guys, particularly like Gronk and Tony Brown, there's no rush to get them back in the lineup so they don't have to. And I wouldn't be in a rush to get my fantasy lineup necessarily either until I see them out there for multiple weeks. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I think that call back to the Patriots is a, a very good point because it does seem like in that sense it is getting ran uh, pretty similarly, even if the offenses are uh, uh, pretty different. Um, all right, so that kind of wraps up where we are with uh, specific games, unless you have anything else on that game that you want to hit on. No, I think it's going to be a really interesting test. I mean, I think, you know, Tampa Bay should be way superior in this game, but after seeing that debacle versus watching the football team, you have to ask some questions. Brady did not look sharp in that game. He he gave the defense. I mean, they lost their best pass rusher pretty early in the game on top of it and still were able to kind of neutralize that Tampa Bay offense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> with that, uh, and that, that'll definitely be a game to watch. Thank God it's prime time. But uh, are there any under the radar or, you know, upside guys that you have for this week? Um, you know, that maybe wouldn't intuitively think to start uh, before we head out of here. Well, I hinted towards one of them. I mean, it depends if Ben plays or not, but if Mason Rudolph is the quarterback again this week, I do put James Washington in my lineups. I do think you're going you're going to get a guy who's going to see a lot more targets than you expect, um, because that seems to be something that is really fo- focused on for Rudolph since he's been the quarterback for that team. Whether it was last year or year before, he's always kind of involved in Washington when he gets opportunity to play. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I guess mine, and I don't know if it's under the radar anymore after last week, but. Robbie Anderson could be a thing if Darnold's gone. This this could be a thing. Like it, it actually could be. Uh, you know, finally got a, a tutty. Uh, you know, got a healthy. I think six targets, four receptions. Nothing crazy. I think it was like sixty something yards. But caught more than half of his targets, which at this point is is kind of a uh, guess. I relief, I guess. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know if you're necessarily jumping to start him yet, but if you're desperate, there's worse options because he's certainly, um, you know, done it before uh, with other guys that weren't Darnold, and he's certainly, um, you know, gotten the volume that you would want at points throughout this season, last season, um, you know, et cetera. And even valuable targets, really, you know, going down the field as well as some shorter ones. So, um, you know, if that quarterbacking can be improved and you know if things aren't on Robbie Anderson then there's certainly some value to be had there I 100% agree I mean that was one I was going to bring up as well I think Robbie Anderson um I including myself have written him off for this year um I I recently said that if Sandor Arnold was to be benched the quarterback that they would cut over did play Robbie Anderson in college and he'd look for him and try to feature him and I bet she gets back on track and Sure enough, as we kind of saw this past week, I think it'll be no different with Cam. I think anybody but Sam Darnold was going to improve Robbie Anderson's fantasy outlook. So I definitely <laughs> think he should be somebody on your radar in a personal play. And I'll, I'll, I'll add one more, and I think this is somebody we can kind of maybe leave the show talking about. But I think Cam Newton's a play this week. Um, yeah. I think you look at Washington defense that isn't going to have 
Chase Young at the, at the defensive end position. They're not kind of their best pass rusher. Defense has struggled most of the season despite kind of showing up, quote-unquote, versus Tampa Bay last week. Um, Cam brought a lot of energy to that offense. We talked about Christian McCaffrey earlier in the show, particularly Adam, about you know how, what he brings to the table. And one of the things that's going to be harder to kind of do is minimize the Christian McCaffrey involvement when you have a guy like Cam Newton who can turn the corner and run it in for touchdowns as well. And that team just seemed amped when he was out there. Oh, so you yeah. put all those different factors together versus a team that, you know, isn't isn't kind of that good, might be feeling itself after the Tampa Bay game. I think Carolina, Cam Newton might be a play that you, people are forgetting about right off the bat. Yeah, I, I think you can pretty safely lock him in as a starter as long as he's locked in as a starter, um, given, you know, what he's going to demand, at least at the red zone. Uh, even if you ignore everything else, even if you're, you know, super low on him as a passer and all these other things, you have to at least Killer. give him <laughs> – Exactly. <laughs> uh, even if you're low on him as a passer, you have to give him that rushing upside. And, you know, with his size, he just on the goal line is just such a mismatch for everyone. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, he's going to be, I'm again, like I said earlier in the show, the NFL is better with Cam Newton in it. So I, I'm super stoked to see him back. I'm super stoked to see him back in Carolina. Uh, that, I'm not a Panther a fan by such of the means, but I got goosebumps when he scored yeah. touchdowns. You could feel <laughs> the crowd. You could feel how everybody was. I mean, and the referees, they didn't call a damn holding that. They, every guy, every guy got held that play damn near. And the, and the referees they weren't paying attention to anything. Just like, Oh, Cam's back. Look at him scoring touchdowns. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So I, I think that's a good, I'll actually I have one, one last thing to say just because I think it's hilarious, but there was no natural fit um, for it anywhere in the show. But can we just talk about how, hilarious the stat line that Jamal Hackley put up this week was. <laughs> he had zero receptions on five targets, but if you are are like me and in a deep lineup league with multiple flexes happened to play him, it didn't matter. <laughs> no worries. One rush for 66 yards. <laughs> he had three more and I think ended up at like 72 or something. <laughs> like 79 yards rushing, yes. Yeah. So yes. he had five targets. None of those mattered. At playing wide receiver. Now he's really a gadget player, but he's playing wide receiver. None of the targets mattered, and he got all his points rushing the ball. That was just just such a funny stat line to me, and I, I had to speak about it at some point, but there was no natural fit. Um, no, I mean that's a that's a great one because I know that was some hit some people, particularly in PPR full point PPR leagues, where you're like, yes, no, well, at least give me a floor. yeah yeah absolutely so uh what days are you going to be on the belly up mdff show this week or is it all normal times or uh all normal times i believe will i'll be on wednesday uh friday we'll be getting back to our you know dfs challenges then we'll be on thursday previewing the later games and also the thursday night game itself so we'll be hitting wednesday thursday and friday awesome awesome all right guys Thank you so much for tuning in. We will we will catch you uh, next week. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. 
Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.